you walk into this room at your own risk. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And I'm here today to tell you that we're actually hacking the software of life. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And we're in a fight for our lives. The church is being persecuted like it's never been persecuted before. And some churches refuse to even open up. They're so afraid. And it, it, will, it will be biblical. Biblical. We've never lived at a time like we're living in right now. But you know, if God should stamp eternity or even judgment on our eyeballs, or if you like, on the fleshy table of our hearts, I'm quite convinced we'd be a very, very different tribe of people, God's people in the world today. morning. This is Removing Confusion Podcast. It's Tom Richardson, your host. It is March the 29th. It's a Monday, 2021. We're taking a break from all that downer stuff about vaccines, inoculations, gene therapy, a treasure trove of ill-stepped political mess, and we're going to go to God's Word today. Because something I saw on TV the other day sparked me a, a little bit. And it made me think, uh, wow, you know, maybe we really are living. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. As the days of Noah were. Those are, you know, you guys will figure out sooner or later that... Tom seems to be hooked on Genesis 6, Matthew 24. (laughs) That's, you'll find today's a little different though. Let's just dive right in. Now what I saw on TV, uh, and I didn't watch this whole program because it didn't interest me. I was just flipping through the channels. You know how you do, what do they call that? Surfing, channel surfing, you know, wasting time till the wife got sat down and we were going to watch our typical stuff we watch and i saw this thing and it was it was about the rolling stone magazine something like they're they're 50 years or something i don't know uh it didn't really make any difference what the title was i don't i don't encourage anybody to to engage in this thing it's garbage for the most part 
such as the Rolling Stone magazine is not one of my favorite publications, as you may think. It was in the day, but I never really read it because it, it was like, you know, big, glossy garbage. It didn't have anything in it that really, the, the pop stuff was always their thing. But anyway, they were talking about this lady with, they were, that was an old interview, and she said, you know, she was from Texas, I believe, and she said, I had to leave Texas and go to San Francisco because that was the epicenter of everything in those days. And, you know, you had the uh, the whole, you know, thing going on. And here's what she said. You know, there was the sex and the drugs and the rock and rollers were the high priests of the movement. The rock and rollers were the high priests now, that would be the people like Morrison of the Doors and Jimi Hendrix, uh, Joplin, Joplin um, Jefferson Airplane, Grateful Dead, you know, all those bands that, you know, they were just churning out this psychedelic mumbo-jumbo junk. And, uh, yeah, some of it was good music, but when you really sit and listen to it with the ears of a Christian, you're like, I can't do it. But she had to leave Texas to get there because this was the epicenter of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, as they say, with the rock and rollers being the high priests. That made me think. This was San Francisco. Remember? San Francisco. Let's read a a bit of scripture real quick. If you wish to go to your Bible however you use it, and I don't care what version you're using. I use the King James to read to you. But we're going to reference a couple others while we're at it today. Okay, Ephesians 6. For those of you that know me, it's going to be 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are, this is a picture of spiritual warfare. You know, when we see these people who act so insane, if you watched the Grammys, I think it was the other day, it was a lesbian mishmash they had going on at the beginning. Now, keep the kids out of the room if you're listening. (laughs) I'm not going to get too vulgar and graphic about it. And thankfully, I can't play you video. I've seen the video on, like, Carlson did it and a couple other guys. It's ridiculous. But that's what's getting into our music again. You know, it's the devil has stuck his foot into rock and roll from the get-go. That was the, the, the medium to get a lot of people hooked. I was one on the beat, on the driving you know and then throw any kind of words behind it and you and you're all good now for the brevity of time territorial spirits territorial spirits now they've always been there uh from the get-go god gave his sons it says and and uh i believe it's in genesis rule over certain areas some of them were started out good and some of them went bad 
Now, I'm going to narrow that down to a specific geographic area called San Francisco or California, whatever you want to say. Uh, Los Angeles falls in there, too. But right now, just because this young lady used the epicenter of San Francisco, let's look at this. These territorial spirits have a name as what Paul gave us, principalities, which in Greek is the arche or archon. That means like princes, the, the chief guys. Powers, exousia, the, the ones right below, you know, that, that do the bidding of the, you know, it's like each one has their own little place on the rung of the ladder of evil. And, you know, rulers, this is the interesting one, is the rulers that Paul talks about. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers of the darkness of this world. The cosmocraters. I think that we come in contact with these guys more so than just about anything. They are... The cosmic, they, they're, they're involved in all the cosmic stuff. You know, we hear about UFOs and all that kind of thing and alien abductions and whatever. You can believe it if it happens, if you can believe it happens or not, but there's enough evidence that says something's going on there. And there's some guys like I've mentioned, Dr. Uh, Thomas Mack or John Mack, John Mack, who, uh, uh, he was a Harvard uh, professor in the psychiatry department of Harvard. I mean, he, he basically wrecked his reputation with Harvard. I mean, they were looking at him real deep because he went off into this study, but that's another thing altogether. Spiritual wickedness in, in high places. You know, we've got these, this lineup of who we're fighting and how we're fighting. It says we wrestle not. What does wrestling mean? Now, in our, our, our thought process, we think of basic Greco-Roman wrestling where you, you, know, you try to pile-drive the guy a little bit and get him on the mat, and you, know, you get him pinned by his shoulders flat for, what, three seconds, three smacks, whatever, and the wrestling match is over. It's, it's all relatively uh, nonviolent. You know, it has, of course, there's that certain amount of hand-to-hand type combat and scrappling and whatnot. But this isn't the kind of wrestling that Paul's mentioning here. He's saying to wrestle to the point of having control of your opponent by sticking your hand on his neck. You know, you get somebody by the neck and squeeze till they can't breathe. Or they give up. And that's what these guys really want to do. They either want to kill you or they want you to capitulate to them. We've got you by the neck. And you will do what we want. But it also says we're going to put on that full armor of God that goes on to in verse 13. Let's read that one real quick. Wherefore? Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And a little chunk of verse 14, stand therefore. And it goes into the whole armor of God, which we're not going to talk about that today. 
that's a whole long thing. This is what I want to hit on here is kind of interesting. Let's go back, though, a little bit. In the English Standard Version, oh, no, all the fundamentalists left me. Please don't. Just listen to me for a minute. Here's how it's written in the English Standard Version about these guys that we just talked about. Cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we're dealing, like it says, cosmocrators is what the Greek word for it was. And these are cosmic forces. These are people or cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. These are pretty well settled guys or things, demons, whatever we want to call them. These territorial spirits. And what, what, am I, what am I shooting for here? Let's look at San Francisco, how it's morphed. The, the evil that they allowed to go on, Haight-Ashbury with all the open, free, open, you know, sexual activity of any kind. And then, of course, it's the epicenter of the homosexual movement. And then the drugs and all the rock and roll stuff that was, you know, it seemed innocuous at the time. It's just a fad, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they preached a message over and over again, and we're going to hit on this again later. In a lot of that innocuous stuff is this line that would roll through or the ideal would come through of do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. There was a guy by the name of Aliester Crowley. Uh, he was a horrible human being. He was in all kinds of magic, and he was a 33-degree mason. And, I mean, this guy, the things that he did, I won't even go into here. He was horrible. They called him the beast, or the great beast even. And he, he, just, he was into all kinds of magic stuff, and he, he had to do certain things, even to the point where many say uh, he sacrificed young children for his power from Satan. I believe that guy was getting his straight from the, the, the head dog, Satan himself. <clears throat> Got on a rabbit trail for a minute. 613, though, it says, in the evil day. Like I say, Frisco, let's look at it. From that period of time till now, it's been liberal, it's been, you know, wide open to all kinds of stuff. I mean, every time you turn around, it's Frisco this, Frisco that. And then it kind of got mellow for a while. Nobody paid any attention. But, you know, we got to look at who rules over San Francisco. I'm not talking about the mayor. We got Diane Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi. Maxine Waters. I don't think she's actually in Frisco, but, you know, she's close enough. These are the people who have, you know, encouraged even more lunacy to go on in that town. And look at it now. Look what has happened to it. Because of all the disturbing things and the evil stuff that's happened in that town, as they they feed more on themselves from these cosmocrators and these cosmic forces of evil that they've allowed to like 
pungently sit there and be in control of this one city. Look at it. Now you can't even walk the streets. It's full of the homeless who are, you know, leaving their human waste everywhere. Uh, Heroin needles everywhere. You know, would you want to take your kid for a walk down the street and see some guy, I'm going to be very graphic, urinating over here in the middle of the street into the gutter and other things? I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not against the homeless. Don't get me wrong. But there's, they need to be taken care of in some fashion and form. We can't allow our streets, our city streets, our major city streets to be overrun in this fashion, and then just say, well, you know, it's nothing. Just don't look over there. Crazy. Because what's happening is that city is becoming a wilderness. A wilderness. Spiritual darkness pushes us into the wilderness or into a wilderness. It can actually create a wilderness. I believe that's what's happening with San Francisco and a lot of other places, Chicago, L.A., New York. People are leaving these places left and right. And why is that? We say, well, it's because Bill Blasio is no good and Cuomo's a, a nitwit. But why are they? What is wrong with them? Because they're allowing themselves to be governed by something that we can't even see. But we as Christians, if we're taught correctly through our churches and through whoever we pick out to choose and choose to guide us and teach us, and that's what I'm trying to do here. I hope that you'll check up behind me and see if I'm not I'm not spewing out something that I don't understand. I mean, I don't totally get it, but I do understand that there are principalities and powers and rulers in the high places of darkness that are overcasting the entire country. Now you get in the middle there where they don't care about those niddly twiddlies and and what do you get is, you know, things are a little bit more serene, sublime. You know, easy going. But that will change if they, you know, these things spread. They want more and they want more. The cosmic powers and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let's go over and look at Isaiah 13, 22 and talk about the wilderness a little bit and all these things. Now we're talking about Babylon. Babylon. Babylon the Great, right? The golden head on on the on the uh, uh, the dream in Daniel chapter two, and I'm, I'm going to read one one verse at the beginning of Isaiah thirteen that says the burden of Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amoz saw, and then I'm going to skip way down to like verse twenty two. We're going to read twenty two and twenty. I'm sorry, twenty one and twenty two. Excuse me. Actually, let's go 20. I, I, I wrote something down, but I'm, I'm looking at something different. So just, just bear with me. You guys know if you've been listening to me for a while, I get a little bit of a nudge from the Holy Spirit. We just go with it. All right, verse 20 of, of uh, Isaiah 13. We're talking about Babylon. 
the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' excellency. I mean, these guys were the they were the deal. These are, this is where the 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 magic guys were. You know, these are they they were the awesome dudes that knew everything until they wanted Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to inter, intercept that dream for him and they couldn't. Okay, anyway, so Babylon was, was the the thing in, in its day. But here's what God says: It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in. From generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their folds there. But wild beasts of the desert shall be there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And wild beasts, the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses and dragons in their pleasant places. And her time is near to come and her days shall not be prolonged. All those things. All right. What, first of all, Babylon, big kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar too, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what happened? It ended up being empty, devoid of anything, a wilderness, full of these doleful creatures, owls and satires. That's a half man, half horse, half mules, half something that danced there. Dragons. Dragons aren't usually anything good in the Bible. What is ha- what? What do we care, right? What, what, is, what does it mean, though? What is the prophetic meaning? Of what's going on here is this is a great city that just dropped to nothing. And all that can inhabit it now are these creatures. And these creatures, is, it, it gives us the physical creatures in the uh, English Bible here. But what it is also describing are evil spirits live there. A great city that was dropped to nothing to the point where the only thing that can inhabit it at this point in time are doleful, evil creatures. Satyrs that dance there. Chimeric creatures. That means a, a mixture of man and something or uh, other animals that shouldn't be mixed. That's all that can live there. But it, it, it's really not the creatures we need to focus on is the evil those cosmocrators which are there that dropped a great city to nothing <sighs> spiritual darkness okay let's let's just go real quick and i wanted to say something about the wilderness so if you go back way back you go back to exodus and god took the israelites out of egypt and he took them into the wilderness. Now, what happened? He sustained them there. The, there's, a, there's the good wilderness. There's the good wilderness experience if we allow it. And there's the evil. If you allow evil to, to sit on something for long enough, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck it. But God took his people out to the wilderness. Now, God knows everything. He knew what they were going to do. He knew what he would have to do with them to get them straightened out. But let's let's just go with this for a minute. God took them into the wilderness to show them that they didn't need anything but what he could sustain them with. And it was called manna. 
He made sure they had water that they could drink. He turned a pool of poisoned water into a pool of potable water. He took where Moses could smack a stick on a rock and water would gush out of it. Now, supposedly they found that rock and it looks like, you know, there had been water gushing out across the ground in front. Now you got a million people or so that need water. That's not going to be, you know, we see the picture in your mind, a little trickle of water, you know, no, this thing was like gushing out of this rock. And the manna that would fall from heaven that would feed them and give them what they needed. And he, God gave it to them daily, but they got tired of eating it. It wasn't what they wanted. Oh, if we could just go back to Egypt and have the cucumbers and the, and the squirrels or whatever else that we could eat there. And now we can't, we got to eat this manna. What is it? Well, why are we eating this stuff? We are sick of it. We want quail. We want some meat. So God gave them all they could eat, and it was coming out their nose. That's, that's, that's some interesting things in the Bible that we don't see sometimes. But the, the, the basic point is God took them out there to show them he could sustain them. And they squirreled around and got themselves into deep trouble and spent 40 years in it. But in the context of what I'm speaking about today, for the most part, the, the wilderness is never a good place to be. That wilderness that they traveled in wasn't just some sandy little spot. It was, I've seen pictures, I've never been, but I've seen pictures. It's rocky. It, it was like, I think, sharp pieces of flint everywhere. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant place to hang out. No, no water except when Moses got to tap the rock. You weren't going to go hunting and find what you wanted. Only thing that could happen is God would send it in. Okay. So the the wilderness usually isn't depicted as a, a pleasant place. It's not depicted as a place that you want to inhabit, and it's not what you want the place you live in to turn into because it is a spiritual picture of not good stuff evil has taken over something that was lush and and viable is now a desert and the only thing that can live there are those you know angry desert creatures um let's look at jesus in mark one or i'm sorry not mark one yeah it is mark one Sorry about that. I didn't mark this one in my book so I could get to it quick, so just bear with me. I want to read a, a, a little little piece here. I hope I got the right thing. I write stuff down, folks, and then sometimes I write it down wrong. But uh we have the, the talk we have the, the uh the topic of Jesus going out into the uh wilderness after he was baptized. After he was baptized. He went out into the wilderness. And uh, it says the spirit basically drove him out there, which I find to be, you know, compelling in a in a in a in a way <clears throat> and immediately this is mark 112 i'm sorry i took a, a, a blanked out there for a minute 
Mark 1, verse 12, and immediately the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit, driveth him into the wilderness. And he was out there for 40 days. And we know what happens. Jesus didn't have anything to eat. It says, eat or drink. He was fasting in a big way, more than I want to do. And he had to contend with the devil, and he took the devil down by quoting Deuteronomy to him. Do you know enough Deuteronomy to take down the devil? I don't. But we can. Study to show yourself approved. But the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert, or into the wilderness, and we find the wilderness not to be a good place. He's out there with the wilderness creatures and, you know, stumbling around, you know, the Son of God in the wilderness. But he went there for a reason. He went there immediately after being, you know, immersed by John the Immerser, also known as John the Baptist. And he went out into the desert, into the wilderness, and he took the devil down a notch. Now, um, what happens? I mean, the, the desert, the wilderness becomes the wilderness, like I say, because, and this is a spiritual sense, because the Spirit of God is absent or shunned. Shunned. Can you shun the Spirit of God? Of course you can. You do what you want to do. It's destined to become desolate. Uh, the wilderness just, you know, and it, you know, we're we're looking like a, at the beginning. I, I brought up uh, San Francisco, and and you can see how it's gone. Now, not all of it is garbage and junk and human waste, but it's getting there. And and, uh, and you know, LA is the same way, and you know the other big cities are are catching up. But, you know, <laughs> who wants to live in New York City in the winter on the streets? There are people that do it. God bless them, you know, but. There's they they they're they're typically there's a lot of the homeless that are mentally that's why they're there is mentally they're they're deficient mentally in one way or another perhaps they have spirits in them that drove them into the wilderness but not the big S spirit other small S spirits. That's just a hypothesis. That's just a, a, a something to think about. The, the entire world system, as we know it, is rapidly changing. It's rapidly changing. We know that. We can see that. If you're if you watch ten seconds of news a day, you, you'll you'll know it, or or just look around you at the you know how our stores change to not having any goods in them, and uh, on and on. You know it, the 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 everything is just we can't stick our heads in the sand not that ostriches actually do that but it's the the analogy we can't stick our heads in the sand and just you know keep going on oh you know everything's fine you know nothing happening here don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain over there it's evil my friends is breaking out all over the place i have a guy that tells me oh fix your eyes on that which is good don't worry about the evil let me tell you something the bible does say that we need to find find a place and put our minds and keep our minds on things that are good but we also are told to reprove evil in ephesians 5 11 expose it reprove it 
show that it, you know, because there are people who will go for the evil, not even knowing they are. You know, John the Baptist, as I mentioned him earlier, he preached in the wilderness. But what was this then that our uh, last of the Old Testament prophets really is what John the Baptist or John the Immerser was? He was, he was in the New, he's in the New Testament, but he's actually like an Old Testament prophet. He's out there taking back the wilderness. He was taking back a spiritual wilderness because it had become desolate. People's hearts have been, for 400 years, between Malachi in, in the Old Testament and Matthew in the New Testament, there's 400 years where God never spoke through another prophet in Israel. They were going desolate. The priests that they had, uh, they were, they had basically the people weren't being spiritually fed like they should be. The, 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 those priests, those guys in the, in the nice little robes and the funny hats, they had been abandoned. They abandoned them. The shepherds of the, of the people, you know, probably because they hadn't heard from God in so long, but when they did, they'd kill the, the messenger. Matthew 14, uh, verses uh, 15. I'm going to paraphrase the whole thing because I'm running, running, running a little long on time. Is when Jesus fed thousands of people in a desolate place. It says he went out into the desert, sat down and gave them the word, and he gave them food. He fed them spiritually because the exalted priest class was failing them. And he knew, Jesus knew these things. He was living in it, and he's also God in flesh. So he knows these people are starving for something new, for something to build them up, or so someone to come along and give them some fresh grain. Pastors who don't give their flock fresh grain, grain and i mean the kind of grain that comes from bible study bible teaching bible preaching they're feeding their people gruel who wants to eat gruel have you ever eaten gruel you may like it do you want it every day do you want to eat that wallpaper paste looking junk every time you sit down in the pew spiritually or do you want some meat I want to offer meat when I do a Bible study, and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to, without going way over top of everybody's head, because I don't. I'm not that. I'm not that brilliant. But I, I I listen to people I trust. I picked it up along the way. I've been accused of. But you know something, we all have something to offer if we're willing to offer it. Jesus fed these people the spiritual food that they needed to hear because the ones that were given that mantle of responsibility had failed miserably. They weren't doing it. And then he created physical food from 
a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Was it five loaves and two fish? Two little fish. He made enough food. He created it right there in front of him. You know, the next thing he did was walk across the water, but that's that's another day again. We are living in such a time where I, myself, I search out people who feed me, people who spiritually feed me. And I try to share that with the with anybody that'll listen to me here, and I'm not I'm not uh, just yelping for more likes and more uh, followers or whatever. I'm not. I, I, I get what I get. God plant the seeds, Apollos uh, water, and then God gave the increase. That's all I can do. I can plant the seeds. I can put it out there and. It's up to the Lord. He'll if he thinks what I'm doing is right and good, he's going to further it on to infinity. Okay, you know what I'm getting at. I'm not here to be the most popular guy with a podcast. I'd love to if I, but you know, you, a certain amount of humility has to be acquired along the way as well. I do what I do what I believe the Lord wants me to do and that's where I sit and I enjoy it and I'll continue to do it. I say I didn't bring you down with all that vaccine stuff today. I didn't bring you down with a bunch of what did Joe Biden fall down on today? <laughs> just it was just we wanted to we wanted to get into the Bible and and kind of just go I'm, I love this book. I love what it has to offer. And let's just look at another thing real quickly before we go. Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59. I'm going to, I'm going to read two or three verses. Isaiah 59 verse seven is where we'll start. Their feet run to evil and they make, and (laughs) they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity Wasting and destruction are in their uh, paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore, judgment, therefore is judgment far from us, Neither does judgment overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men that last verse i kind of emphasized the other stuff i just read along i I thought it all kind of needed to fit together we grope along as blind men and we as desolate places as dead men there's those desolate places again don't let your heart become a desolate place don't let your soul drop into a desolate place because it can happen it can happen to to steady that to stay clear of it is to seek out god first ask him for wisdom in ch- in choosing bible teachers preachers pastors 
congregations even. The people who sit around you, if they are uh, upbeat, happy. I mean, not, not everybody's going to walk around with a perpetual smile on their face. But, you know, when, when you can tell when there's a dark cloud hanging over someplace, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You know, the devils don't need to hang out in the bars. They don't need to go to the, uh, the strip clubs or the massage parlors or any of that them kind of places. They don't have to go there. They've already owned them. The places they want to inhabit, the places that they want to take over are the church. And they do that simply when they get men who refuse to teach the Bible. When they get men who will not preach the Bible. When they get men in pulpits who have no inkling anymore of what they're doing. Maybe they've been there too long. Maybe they haven't been there long enough. Maybe they need a nudge by the Holy Spirit to do what is right, but they won't do it because their pride has gotten in the way. I, I tell you what, every time I start to get a little bit of prideful, I, I notice that the Lord humbles me in one way or another. I build my, if I can build myself up, which is a terrible and dangerous thing to do, the Lord will find a way to humble you, and you don't, you don't want to be humbled by God. No, you do not because it's oftentimes not a lot of fun. But let me say this. Let me say this. I'm on, a, I'm on a rant, but let me say this. Don't allow your heart to become wilderness or a desolate place full of dead things or full of those doleful creatures. The Holy Spirit doesn't share his place with anyone. But if you shun him long enough, he's not going to be there to guide you. You ask him to stay with you. Now, that may go against a lot of the grain for people, but I'm telling you right now, it's, we need to get real serious with God's word and not take it so lightly. And so, you know, Doing it on my own terms kind of thing. Do it on God's terms. I, those people that say, I've made my peace with God. Has he made his peace with you? Uh, friends, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop because I could go on for another 20 minutes, and I don't, I don't want to keep you that long. Kept you longer than I should have. But I want to say this. I do enjoy the Bible studies that we can do here. Uh, if you're interested in something else, if there's something you don't understand, let me know, and I'll see if I if I know it, I'll I'll put it out there. If I don't, I'll I'll research it or I'll point you to someone who's more fluent at it than I am because I know a few, and I trust them. But friends, I, I'm I'm telling you, we are in a dire time right now, but we can overcome it through Jesus Christ. Oops, that was a little louder than I thought. We're rolling into the end, dude. Rejoicing in my Savior. That's what I'm talking about right there. Friends, let's have a great rest of your day. And until the next time, which it may be later on tonight with me, you never know. It might be tomorrow. But I'm telling you right now, we're going to do more. We're going to search out more. 
and we're going to seek for God more in Jesus' name. Have a great day. It's Tom Richardson with Removing Confusion Podcast. Say, say, say.